Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. My name is Sarah. And I'm Bree. And joining us today, we have special guest, author Janine Ingert. Thank you so much for joining us. Tell us how 2021 has been for you. Thank you so much for having me today. Excited to be here. Um, I'm happy to report that 2021 is ending better than it started, Um, (laughs) just to be really honest. I'm a middle school teacher, so last year was just so hard. I mean, having hybrid learning, some of the kids were in class, some were online, and that was just really difficult, making sure they were getting all they needed and deserved to get. Um, when we saw them. So I'm kind of happy that we're in better of a flow this school year and it's taken some of the stress off, I think. So definitely ending better than it started. So what do you teach in middle school? What grade? I actually teach sixth, seventh and eighth graders. I'm a learning resource teacher. Uh, so all of my students have language-based learning differences or disabilities. Um, so it's just nice to kind of be able to see them sometimes for three different years and see all their growth. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I'm an aspiring middle school teacher and the faces that I get from people oh. when I tell them that, they're like, <laughs> why would you want to teach middle school? <laughs> like, it's why amazing. not? It's amazing. It's either sort of like you either love it or it's not your thing. But if you love it, you just never want to go back. Like I've taught college level before, high school before, and middle school is just when I landed there, it was like, yep, this is it. This, this is, is it. it. Yeah. Hmm. So let's start off with some icebreakers. What would be your elevator pitch for the books you write? Well, I love historicals, as you know. So I write historical romance, historical romantic suspense, and it took me a few books to figure it out. But most of my characters are really trying to work through self-acceptance, redemption, and that's sort of my theme that tends to run through all of my books. Tell us about one of your television show obsessions. Oh my gosh. I have so many. I know, right? (laughs) Um, I love Masterpiece and BBC shows. My current obsession is a new one that I found called Daglish. uh, And it's based on all the P.D. James books. And I've gotten to the point where I love it so much. I sort of barter with myself. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do 4,000 words and then I can write or watch the next episode. So it's been working for me. (laughs) Love that. Like a bargain with yourself. That's right. <laughs> it works though. I know it's only like a game with myself, but it works. Did you do you watch the old like half hour? I want to call them comedies, the British comedies. Like Faulty no. Towers or Are You Being Served? No, I've never gotten into oh. those. I'm I'm like I think I'm about twelve seasons into Midsummer Murder. Like I'm, I'm oh, trying my to catch up. Loves with, that one <laughs> with all those, but there's so many. Agatha Raisin. Oh my yep. god, I could just go on, but I won't. And there's another one my mom's watching now. I don't know the name of it, but he's a British detective, but he's on the island, like on a in the Caribbean. Oh, oh, oh. yes. She's obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's another one for you. (laughs) Okay. I'm adding it to my list now. After you write 4,000 words. I know. (laughs) I bring with myself again. Selfishly, selfishly, we need you to write the 4,000 words first. Please, yes. And then. (laughs) (laughs) What is the first song on the soundtrack to your life? Okay, I love music. So this, this is the hard one for me. I would probably say. I really love Pete Yorn, so I might go with uh, Just Another Girl. Love that one, because I think I'm just sort of like an average Just Another Girl. 
doing my thing. Um, but I've also had a lot of insomnia lately. So maybe Wide Awake by you two. I don't know. Nice. Oh yeah, nice. those are those are mine. But I love music. Love, love, love music. If you came with a warning label, what would it say? I would probably say, I don't know if you know a lot about personality types, but mine might be like, I'm an INFJ, so proceed with caution. I'm like a living contradiction. People describe me as being an outgoing introvert, which makes no sense, but Mm -hmm. yeah. We love to hear romance origin stories. So can you share how you became a romance reader? I actually think it sort of came about naturally. I used to always love to read poetry. um, And I think it was kind of a natural stepping stone for that because most poetry is love stories, just in a very condensed form. Uh, So I think that's how I kind of got into it. And I always loved, you know, Sleeping Beauty when I was little, Jane Austen, Romeo and Juliet, even though it's a little more tragic. Um, But I think that sort of bridged into romance novels for me. And then I found Danielle Steele and Julie Gardwood and Jean Devereaux. Um, And then my grandmother always used to bring romance novels and she would accidentally leave them. I know it was totally on purpose, but I was always grateful. She would bring them and then leave them on her bedside table and then I'd take them. So yeah. Grandmothers are the ultimate enablers when it comes to romance. Grandmas and aunts, I feel. Yeah. And it's the best thing. I mean, we used to watch mm-hmm. Wuthering Heights together, like the really mm-hmm. old black and white version. Every time it would come on, she'd want to watch. I'd be like, okay, we'll watch it again. <laughs> we know you are also a lover of mysteries. Can you share with us how you became a mystery reader? When I was little, I loved all the Nancy Drew books. I also loved, I don't know if anyone's ever read Encyclopedia Brown. I'm probably dating myself a little bit that reference. Um, But I remember going to the library and I'd get whatever the max amount, I think it was 10 at the time, check all of them out, take them home, read all of them, loved just trying to figure out what the solution was before I'd get to the end. So that's kind of how it all started. Always used to love to watch like Murder, She Wrote, Perry Mason, all that kind of stuff when I was growing up. And then now that I'm with Masterpiece and BBC, then hmm, I could just watch it all day long. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so I feel like we're seeing some threads here because you, you're you writing for Harlequin, you're writing series romance, but it seems like you've always been a lover of series stuff. Yes, guilty as charged. Yeah. So, okay, I want to talk Nancy Drew because I personally never read any Nancy Drew, y'all. Like I, I read, did y'all ever hear of Trixie Belden? I read her. I did not get into Nancy. So what was it about Nancy Drew that you felt yourself drawn to and like what was just hooked to like continue reading through the series? I think she was just always so independent, you know, like she always had her stuff together. I think I wanted to be that put together and like assertive and wanting to do things my own um, because I wasn't really that way. I was very shy, still Mm -hmm. am. Um, So I think that's why I was drawn to it. My critique partner, Tanya, loved those Trixie books. We've talked about (laughs) them before. Um, And I never read any of those. So I I don't know. I don't know if she kind of went down one thread or another, but I seem to have just gone down the Nancy Drew route. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Now for you, were they the old yellow spine ones or were they, because I came of age in the 80s. So I read the Nancy Drew case files. Oh, what? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mature Nancy. <laughs> See, I feel like I've missed out now. Now I'm gonna have to go find those. Yeah, um, I had the yellow spine ones. I still have my favorite one. Was I think it was the, the mystery in the clock tower? Mm-hmm. 
or no, Mystery in the Old Clock. I think that's what it is. Um, okay. But I still have one of them. Yeah. Because those were my favorites, the old ones. Oh, they were great, too. I loved reading those. Interesting. I may have to try some Nancy. I mean, do you all feel like if you've reread them as adults, do you feel like they hold up? I yes don't know. know. Yeah, I haven't read one in so long. I just sort of look longingly at the cover when I walk by. I mean, I like, as you know, Brie, I'm doing a lot of rereading of my childhood books. But I mean, much like anything else, you know, it's more society, how society changes to how they've held up. You got to read them with a grain of salt is the way that I look at it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So share with us, because we know you're a teacher. At what point in your life did you realize you wanted to also pursue writing professionally? I've always been a writer. Like I remember, I have all these reams of horrible poetry and short stories. I mean, all the way from when I was like eight years old, I always was writing. Uh, it took me a really long time to want to share my writing with people because that's such a vulnerable, kind of uncomfortable space at first because you don't know how it's going to go and how you're going to respond to that. Uh, it took me, I started writing my first novel and uh, we'll just go with the late 90s. Uh, and it took me 11 years to finish my first book. Oh my gosh. I know. Why? Why? <laughs> tell us. Tell us the details. Like, why? Because, okay, we're trying our hand at writing now. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be 11 years before no, no, I finish no. this I mean, book. <laughs> I'm the outlier in that. It is not going to take you 11 years. Okay. Um, it feels I, like it will. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it took me 11 years to finish it because I just kept, this is what I really kept doing. I kept rewriting the first chapters Mm. over and over and over. That is Um, me right now. Stop it. Don't do that anymore. (laughs) Stop yourself. Otherwise, a decade from now, we're going to revisit this and you're still going to be writing that book. That's right. But yeah, I would rewrite the first few chapters thinking that was somehow going to get me further along in the book. Never did. Um, but I did finally finish it. And then I, ironically, I sent it to Harlequin. I remember that. It was a horrible, will never show anyone contemporary romance um, and got a very nice rejection form letter from that. Uh, and then five years after that, I remember I was talking to my husband and he's like, you know, you just, if you want to try to be a writer, you need to, you know, join RWA, like join, get in a writing group and be with writing people and see how it works. Uh, So that's what I did. I joined RWA and Georgia Romance Writers in 2013 and then met writers who, I mean, when I met writers for the first time, I was like, why have I not been here before? Like, you guys are my people. We all want to talk about the same things. You're all so nice. Um, And that's sort of when I decided, you know, I think I could give this a go and decided to really try it professionally. So after you you got that rejection. You said it was another, it was like five years. There's another like five year gap. Did you continue writing in that time? Strangely, I did not. <laughs> you know, I, I don't really know why I didn't. Um, but yeah, I did not. It wasn't until I started at Georgia Romance Writers and somebody was asking me like, what do you write? And I had no answer. It's like, I don't know, love stories, kissing books. I don't know. I didn't really have an answer. <laughs> Okay. Wow. So yeah. then I figured out, I needed to figure out what I wanted to write. And somebody said, well, you know, if you tried contemporary, if you don't really feel like it was your voice, try writing what you really like to read. love to read historicals. So that's how that came about as far as trying my hand at writing historicals. Okay. So in 2019, you published Lovely Digits with Soulmate Publishing. Can you share with us your journey to becoming published? Total roller coaster. Awesome. <laughs> 
loved it. Uh, and I will have to say, I am so glad that I published with them first. I had the best experience with them. Uh, they took so much time to explain the process to me because I just didn't really understand. I mean, I thought like what most writers, I think, think when they are about to when they're just trying to get somebody to say, yes, I really like your book and I want to print it and sell it to people. You don't really think past that point. Um, and they were very just kind and patient with me and helping me figure that out. Uh, the book itself um, was a Golden Heart finalist in 2018. And I happened to have met Shar Shafin, who was my editor at Soulmate. And I met her at the conference at a meet and greet and I just remember she was lovely. She wanted to hear all about the book. She was not freaked out about the fact that it was a lot of mystery mixed in with the romance because I'd gotten a lot of rejection about that up to that point. They said it was just too much mystery. Um, and she was just immediately interested in the book. Uh, she didn't even cringe about the fact that the first line has like a frozen rolling toe across. <laughs> um, so she was just very open and welcoming to it. And... I remember right after the Golden Heart ceremony, I didn't win my category. I was a little bummed out about it. I remember going back to our hotel room and I just happened to be going through my email and I looked and I was like, I looked at my husband and I said, I think I just, somebody just offered to publish my book. And she had sent me an email and she wanted to know if I was interested in publishing with them. So that's how it came about. And I really didn't think she was serious at first because um, I was so surprised by it. But yeah, after I think a month later, Everything was finalized and there we were. That's awesome. Well, we love the synopsis of Lovely Digits. Two murders in a sleepy Victorian town, a spinster heroine, and of course a romance. But I mean, even just looking at the cover, you can tell like if you hadn't even read the synopsis, like there's got to be some mystery in here, which I think sounds fascinating when you're able to blend those two worlds together. And especially now that we know that you love watching mysteries on TV. Share with our listeners what the book is about and where the inspiration for it came from. It's sort of an odd inspiration that just came together. But I love, I don't know if you've ever read Emily Huber or her Lady Darby series. She has a shelf in my house. They're so good. <laughs> um, so she's one of my current reading obsessions at the moment. But I had read one of her books on like a Friday night, I was looking through and it had a character that was an elderly woman and she was a layer out of the dead, which is like a pre-mortician time frame where women, that was how they, one of the ways they could actually work and earn money is preparing people for the afterlife and burial and things like that. And so that was her job. And I remember thinking how interesting that was. And the next day I actually went to a Georgia romance writers meeting and Stephanie Bond happened to be talking. Uh, and this will tell you that this was a while ago, but she was talking about Kindle worlds because she used to write stories for Kindle worlds and how if you just take what you think might be expected and kind of turn it on its head. And I remember thinking, well, what if I you know, make a young sort of attractive, but she's still a spinster trying to earn her own money and make her a layer out of the dead. Like what would happen there? So that's how it came about. And then I remember I was just about to go to bed that night and I had the, the first scene just like popped in my head. I had Lucy, I had her in her cottage, her sister Syl was there. They were preparing a body for the dead for burial and kind of, so that's how it came to me. They just all in 24 hours. So side note, I love Stephanie Bond. Um, I do too. I am a huge fan of her work. <laughs> I do too. 
<laughs> she's also one of the nicest people. Oh, she really? Was, yes, I happen to have it gone and like introduced myself to her at the meeting and she was so nice just mm. nice interested <laughs> wanted to talk with me and I was like wow write great <laughs> books and you're a really nice person I mean yeah on. exactly so the Highlander's Secret Son was your Harlequin Mills and Boone historical debut in June of 2021 what was your journey to becoming published with Harlequin like it was a slow process and then it was really fast and the way I can explain that is I pitched the book that became the Highlander's Secret Son um, in the summer of 2018. I ended up doing five like full rewrite, revise, and resubmits of that book. Um, so what that process took about two years. And then I ended up getting the Zoom call, because that's what happened. That's the time frame we were in, um, to offer to publish it in October of 2020. And I Bless Bryony Green, because she read that book so many times and believed in me, even when I was like, <laughs> I don't know if I believe in this story anymore, because I've written it so many times. But she was amazing, kind of guided me through that process on how to make that the best book possible. Um, and that's how that sort of came to be. And then once I signed on the dotted line, it went really fast. Whew. Wow. So, mm -hmm. okay, I have kind of two questions. So the first, you the first book that you submitted to Harlequin, you got the rejection for. I take us back to that time. Like, what was it? Was Harlequin kind of always the goal for you? Like, take us back to that time. Like, how did you know, like, you know, this is who I want to submit to? Did you submit it to other places as well? Or was like that the goal? Because we know at a certain point, there were like all these publishing houses that you could have submitted yes. to. And then, you know, now we're down to just a few. So take us back to that time? Like, how did we land on Harlequin? I think there were a lot of different factors. Uh, one of them is I just love Harlequin books. Um, always have. So I love that sort of series niche. So I loved them from that perspective. I also, at the time, I remember it was one of the few places where you could submit uh, submissions without agents. So it was kind of a, a way for me to kind of tiptoe into the water to, you know, a company and books that I love, but also it felt a little safer because I didn't have to have an agent. I could just kind of slip it in there, see what happens, see if they like it or not. So there were a variety of reasons that kind of led me there. It was, it's interesting because you're so excited to not get a no because it's not a no, um, but it's not a yes. So you read through all the feedback and part of you has to let go of the idea of the story you had. Okay. Because usually they're asking you to make changes to plot, characters. Um, uh, in this sense, the book, when I first wrote it, it was about a second son and she wanted him to be a laird. So I had to figure out like, how am I going to sort of keep his character as he is, but put him in a role that has a little bit more dominance in the story because he's not being sort of overruled by his older brother. So there's a lot of rewrites that you have to do. So you have to kind of, for me, I'd have to read the feedback. It was usually multi-pages of feedback and highlight it. What was plot? What was characters? Um, what was motivation? If any of those things had changed, then I would set it aside because I was usually very overwhelmed. Um, and then some people don't do this, but I would open up a blank document and like start again. For me, it's I couldn't quite edit it within the same storyline. So I would need to just kind of, you know, make it give yourself a title. clean slate. Yes, yeah. clean slate. Yeah. So um, 
but it's really interesting process. It helps you to, of course, make a better story, but also they see things in the story sometimes that you can't even see or imagine just because you're a little bit tunnel visioned and how you might imagine the story to take place. So I found it very helpful. So Eloping with the Laird releases this upcoming February, and it's the romance between Maura Frazier and Rory McKenna. Share with us what their story is about. Okay, well, ironically enough, I submitted this story uh, when they had a call for like a wanted, Warriors Wanted all call through Harlequin. So I still was in the midst of all these revise and submits with Bryony for the first book. Um, and I happened to submit this one and they actually liked it, much to my surprise. It's a little bit different premise. It's about a widow, Myra Frazier, and she's desperate to find a husband before her father selects a new one for her. And she doesn't want to get married again. She did not have a great first marriage. All she really wants is to just kind of be left alone. Uh, She loves botany. She just wants to read and kind of live a life of solitude, but her father won't allow that. So she ends up meeting Rory McKenna and hears that he's ill. And there's sort of this legend that he's expected to die within the year. And so even though it's totally inappropriate, she's like, he's perfect for me. I don't have to deal with him that long, you know? That's That's exactly (laughs) what she's thinking. She's like, oh, he's perfect. You know, I don't want to be married. He's going to die. This is going to be great. So the premise is a little unusual. Um, So of course, as you would imagine, she ends up eloping with him and then things do not quite go to plan as far as that goes. Uh, and of course it has a HEA, so do not fear. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's a little interesting because he's, he only, only wants to marry to have an heir. Like his whole idea is like, I'm just, I just need to get married, sire an heir, then I can die and everything will be fine because I'll have lineage in place. Um, so yeah, they, it's sort of their story trying to figure out how to come back from just their own self-doubt, not being able to accept who they are. So it's kind of their growth in that process. Wow. Like, I feel like that twist right there that you added in there is like a little bit of an homage to all the like mystery stuff that we know (laughs) you enjoy. I would like not expect anything different. Like I I hope that you continue to find a way to throw something a little dark in there. Agreed. <laughs> it's it's my gothic undertones. I can't fight it. Yes. I love it. I love it. So what is it that you find most enjoyable about writing historical romances? I think I just get so lost in the world. Um the characters, researching about them, imagining what their life was like, how it's similar or different from now. Um, You know, love is love. So that's sort of universal. Uh, But it's just interesting to always learn something new uh, and to be able to share that with people and just kind of share my love of the genre. Because I feel like it's still a little, you know, it's got some exposure as of late, but it's sort of unsung in a lot of ways. Not everybody loves the historical. So anything I can do to kind of fan the flames on that um, and make it more popular, I want to do. I think with historical, there are just things that you can do that make way more sense because it's an historical than you can do in contemporary. 
like the the times were just different. There are reasons why people really couldn't be together, you know, like where yeah. like, in contemporary, it's like, would this really happen? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I feel like with historical, you have this just huge playground of like, oh, I can do just about anything. And it just makes a, a lot of stuff makes a lot more sense because it's historical, I think so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm very miserable. So many ways <laughs> you can do that and bring them back. Yes. <laughs> like one of my favorite plots, even within contemporary, is the oh, we have to marry because I have to marry because it's in the will, or else I don't get the millions that my grandmother left me. In contemporary, you're kind of like, okay, that's fun, but it would never actually happen. In historical, <laughs> that's like a thing. Like that would have been, you know, like a thing. <laughs> oh, this happens all the time, right? <laughs> You're not wrong. (laughs) What is it about, and I had to ask Sarah, I was like, I don't know if I worded this question right, but the Highlands, what is it about that specific location, the history there that inspires you to set your romances there? It all started when, let's see, I went there on a summer abroad. I'm not, sorry, a semester abroad, my senior year of college. Uh, I remember a few of us took a train from London all the way up through Scotland and we spent a few days in Inverness and I just never could forget that feeling. Um, I remember it was snowing outside because it was winter. Um, just very like the winds blowing in your hair. It's sort of like this very raw emotional beauty that's there. And I just never have been able to shake that feeling. Like I want to go back, just kind of like lay in a field of heather. I don't know, but it just, it's so beautiful. Um, And just the people there that I met were so kind. Um, I don't know. I've just always found it to be very romantic of all the places I've been to. Um, So that seems to be where my characters come from when I, when the, first scenes come to me that tends to be where they're at at the moment might change later Um, (laughs) but for now I'm very obsessed with the highlands Mm -hmm. yes so with writing those stories I mean now that you said that you've been to Scotland but you must do you do a lot of research for these books I do I always feel like I could do more um I find myself getting in just huge black holes. I mean, I can start to look for a map. Suddenly, four hours have passed. I've looked <laughs> at maps, creeks, rivers. I'm trying to find what the cliffside looks like. I'm watching YouTube videos to kind of see what the flowers look like. I mean, so I think you can start one place and end another. I always wish I could do more because I feel like I can just never read enough books or mm-hmm. look at enough pictures or find enough old maps or look at enough different types of tartan. So, yeah. But I can imagine like you also have to kind of pace yourself because then you could just fall down the rabbit hole of having fun researching and then you're not yeah. actually writing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I remember one day when I was writing Lovely Digits, um, because she is a layer out of the dead, I had to figure out like, where is she going to store her people while she's working on them? Because it's got to be cold. So I spent like a whole day researching root cellars. <laughs> I didn't really need to do that. I just As remember you do. 
as one does. Day. <laughs> what have I done? I've spent a whole day and I'll, I mean, I could tell you everything about root cellar, but I haven't written any words. <laughs> so there's a fine line. There's a balance there. Yeah. 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 So during the beginning stages of writing as a writer, do the characters come to you first and then you immediately just know the time period they're from? Like, do they come to you and they're like, this is where I'm from. I need you to go ahead and write the story. Or do you kind of stew on the time period that you're interested in first and then come up with the characters? I always get the scene, like the first few pages of the book always comes to me first. Um, and it's usually all together. So like with Lovely Digits, I knew Lucy, I could see Sill, I could see their cottage, you know, the poor person they were working on. Um, for the opening pages of the Highlander Secret Son, like I could see, you know, Brandon coming out on his horse, he was near the lock, you know, so I could always see like the first few pages and it and the characters and settings are always intermeshed from the beginning. Um, okay. So yeah, I, I don't, it's fascinating to me that people can pick a time period and just start with that and then have their characters come in. I don't know. It's just fascinating because that's never happened for me. Mm -hmm. um, so it's interesting, but everybody's process is very different. Absolutely. So take us through your writing, writing process. Is there a specific time of day you prefer to write? We know that you set the 4,000 word <laughs> before you can watch the show, <laughs> right. um, but are there like computer programs you choose to use to write with or take us through that process? I, and you're probably going to fall out of your tear when I tell you this, I love to write really early in the morning, like really <laughs> early, like four o'clock in the morning, 4.30 in the morning. That's when I feel the happiest because it's dark outside. It's so quiet. Um, I'll usually take my dogs out to walk um, and then come back in and start writing. So that's my favorite time to write. Um, I tend to do, I don't really use, uh, I wish I was a plotter, but I'm just not. Um, like Tiny, my critique partner, she is plotter. She is very linear in her process. I can see the first scene. And then after that, it's a very messy and it's not very linear. I tend to get pockets of chapters and scenes come to me. And then I kind of have to put them together later on. Um, and as far as writing programs, I've tried plotter. Um, and that is interesting for me because I can use images and do a few chapters once I get them and try to plot it out. But other than that, I really like just picking out pictures. Um, I make a lot of music soundtracks for my characters and my scenes. But as far as like Scrivener or anything like that, I just can't do it. It's just not how I'm wired. I also love like the big art, uh, can't think of the word, where they have the big like sort of like sketchbooks. I love to use those to just sort of do ideas and jot down or cut out pictures to put um, almost like a dream board, but it's like a book board for my characters oh, sometimes. Um, so I do like all of that. It's just very messy. That's the best way I could explain it. <laughs> and we have to give a shout out to your critique partner because we yes. are huge fans of hers. Absolutely. <laughs> we, yes. we, love, <laughs> we love Tanya here yep. on the podcast. So <laughs> thank you for sharing that with us. So let's get into some round out questions. Besides books and BBC shows, what was one of your teen girl obsessions? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, definitely music. 
I mean, I could not have enough music. I used to wear out, and of course I'm dating myself again, but I'd wear out the tapes to the point where they'd start to eat themselves. Oh. And, and you couldn't like <laughs> rewind them back, you know, with the pencil. I just yeah. didn't that. <laughs> um, Kids these days don't know what they're missing out on, okay? That was true. like <laughs> a defining moment in one's life. <laughs> I know. I, so I just remember making a lot of mixtapes like all of that I just music was sort of my safe zone other than books um I would say my music obsession was Bono oh my gosh you too um Sting I also had a lot of flannel so I guess that could have been an obsession as well yeah yeah (laughs) because of that time period um so yeah probably flannel music pretty exciting (laughs) stuff yeah Who is one of your most read authors? I definitely have Keeper Shelves. I've told you about Annalie Huber. I love all of her books. Um, Jude Devereaux, Julie Garwood, Judith McNaught. Um, Those are all sort of my Keeper Shelf books. So those would probably be my top three. Okay. Ebook, audiobook, or physical copy? What is your preferred reading method? Much to my husband's chagrin, I love physical copy books. Husbands just kind of have to go along. They just have to be supportive and just be quiet. Just be supportive and quiet. (laughs) He is. He is. Because I'm like, so are you using this little part of a bookshelf? Yeah. I just (laughs) throw books everywhere. Um, I've tried doing ebooks. I just can't quite get into it. I like the smell of books, um, just the physical copies. I can listen to audiobooks. I find it's better if it's a like self-help books I like on audiobook. I really like, um, you know, if there's research books I can get on audiobook, not always, but sometimes any of those I enjoy more on audio. But if it's fiction, I love physical copies. Yeah, nonfiction on, on audio is fantastic. Yes. Yeah. So that that's a much more succinct way of saying that than I did. Yes, nonfiction <laughs> on audiobooks is great. Great. <laughs> what is one hill you will wholeheartedly die on? Just one. Um, <laughs> I feel like there are many that I... Oh, I'm an INFJ. I have a lot of things to say sometimes. Um, But I think for me, the big one, and this sort of ties into probably more of me as a teacher, uh, I've been teaching for 23 years now, it goes by in a flash. Um, Just that words matter. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the words you say to yourself, the words you say to other people. Um, I think especially, I don't know, it just seems like nowadays, everybody's not very careful with their words. I wish they were because I think once they're out there, you just can't take them back. That's true. Um, so that's probably the biggest hill I would be on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there are many. But I think that's probably <laughs> the biggest one. Just words matter. Yeah, I think I'm with. We're 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 with you on that hill. Agreed. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, it's a big hill that one. Whew. It yeah. is. Yeah. Name one book you wish you could experience again for the first time. Oh a toughie. Um, I would probably go with A Knight in Shining Armor by Jude Devereaux. I still remember where I was when I got that book, what grade I was in when I was reading it. I still remember loaning it out to someone and never getting it back. Oh no. (laughs) But yeah, that was one of those books that I read it because I'd never read sort of like a time travel historical and just loved it. Loved it. Oh, loved time it. travel is one of my kinks. Yeah. <laughs> That's a buzzword for brief. Yeah, gosh, I don't know. I'm just like, okay, I'm there. Yeah, I've, read that one. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Ah, I'm so jealous. I wish I hadn't read it yet. We could read it together again. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you're going to love it. If you don't love it, just don't tell me, but I think you're going to love it. I really do. Just lie. <laughs> I feel like I love it already. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so we have Eloping with the Laird releasing. Do you have anything else in the works that you're able to share with us? I do. I've got... So Eloping with the Laird is the first in a three book series. Um, and it's called the Falling for a Stewart series. So that book has Myra in it. Um, she has a brother and sister. So there's two more books that are going to be coming out after that um, with their stories in it. Um, and the second one is, I think, coming out this summer. Um, and it's going to be the story of Garrick. And Myra's sister, um, Brianna. So, or I'm sorry, Brenna. Oh my gosh, I forgot her name. That's so horrible. <laughs> uh, Brenna. So that's going to be coming out in the summer. Um, and then I'm also working on another clune mystery to follow up with Lovely Digits. Okay. Because um, I never write one book at once. Like I know people that can write just one book. I always have like three or four different books going. So interesting. Well, we can't wait for that. Lastly, where can everyone follow you online? Um, I have most everything is under Janine writes uh, for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, also, my website is JanineWrites.com. So that makes it pretty easy. It's all pretty much the same tag. Um, most active on Facebook. Okay, probably maybe Twitter. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. All of your information will be down in the show notes. So listeners, make sure you check there so you can find all the places that you can, can keep up with Janine Englert. And we'll also have links to where all the places where you can get her books. So yes. definitely do that. <laughs> keep an eye out for Eloping with the Laird. We are so excited. And Sarah and I will chat with you in our next episode. Have a lovely day, everybody. Thank you for listening. 